Luke chapter 8, God's word beginning in verse 22 says, One day Jesus got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this, that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him? Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on the land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you do to me with, Jesus, with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion. For many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at Jesus' feet, clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Let's pray. O Lord, as we look at your word, would the life-giving power of your word be put amongst us this morning? May we hear and believe. May the seed bear fruit, 30, 60, and 100-fold. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, what have you done when your life was beyond your control? When you knew what you wanted to happen... Even what you thought should happen, but you knew there was nothing you could do to get that outcome. Here in the United States, we often live under the delusion that we're self-made people. That we control our lives, our destinies. And we pad our lives, and not necessarily wrongly, with savings accounts, insurance policies, to catch us if anything goes awry. Yet, insurance and savings can only help fix problems. They can't stop them. They don't get the diagnosis you want. They can't mend our relationships. They don't stop hail, flood, or tornadoes from coming. They don't keep death at bay. They can't control what is out of control. They only attempt to manage it or make it more bearable. 
So where do you turn and how do you respond when life is out of control? And this morning we're looking at two stories in which life was out of control. And yet when Jesus comes in and shows that he controls all, we see four various responses. In verses 22 through 25, we see the disciples fear him even more. In 26 through 33, we see the demons fear him. Then in 34 through 37, the people fear. And then lastly, in verse 38, we see the healed man's faith. That's an interesting story beginning in chapter 22 because Jesus gets into his boat with gets to the boat with his disciples. If you look at the other gospels, Matthew and Mark, you know this was after a long day of ministry. And so as they set out, Jesus falls asleep. You know, in this story, we get this great snapshot of the dual nature of Christ, both fully man and fully God, because he's fully man. After a long day, what does he want? Sleep. Just like every real human, he's tired, so he sleeps. Even when a storm comes in, he needed so much rest, he's out. Nothing's going to wake him. But then in just a second, you see the flip side. You see his divinity as he speaks and it listens to him. Now here they're out. They're on the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee set about 700 feet below sea level. And above it were hills. And so the cold air from the hills would often come down over the warmed air over the lake. And as they would collide, there would be sudden, quick storms. And as these storms come, it would spell disaster for the people. Not only were they sudden and quick, but remember, they went out at night. And so they are going across, and all of a sudden, one of these comes. And even though some of the men are fishermen, they soon realize this is out of our control. They can't bail the water fast enough. And it seems like at any moment, one of those waves will turn them over, and their life will be over. And so they turn to Jesus, and he's asleep. Like a mother and a baby, a baby in a mother's arm. I don't know about a mother and a baby's arm. That'd be a different story. But a baby in a mother's arm is just at peace. And Jesus is just at peace in the back of the boat. And so in their terror, they wake him. Master, master, we're perishing. But then the most fascinating thing happens. When Jesus awakes, it says, verse 24, he awoke and rebuked the wind and the waves. Now, the word rebuke is when you strongly tell someone what you're doing is wrong. It's when you tell them in a strong way as possible what you're doing needs to stop. Yet Jesus is rebuking winds and waves. Why in the world would he rebuke something like winds and waves? What were they doing wrong? How could they get out of line? It's because God did not make winds and waves to destroy but to help. You know, wind is supposed to spread pollen and give a cool breeze. Wind is not supposed to whip, tear, grab, and destroy anything and everything in its path. Water is supposed to nourish, cleanse, and give life. It's not supposed to destroy, damage, and flood. Now, we don't think this way because we're so used to the destructive nature of wind and water. And yet, in this sin-cursed world, even the wind and the waves do what God did not intend them to, and they now are distorted and destructive. And so here we see again Jesus showing that he's the real king because he's bringing things back to the way they were intended. Well, equally fascinating about this is what Jesus did to calm it. You know, if this was a movie, you can imagine what they would do. They would have Jesus 
go stand in front of the boat. He'd put on some hat, probably a magician's hat, and he'd give some kind of incantation, moving his arms, and you would see a face in the cloud of the storm, and he'd be fighting, and it would, he'd back and forth, and the, it would almost get him, and then one last command, strong utterance, he would overcome, and there'd be a calm. There's no fight. Jesus just speaks, and it's immediately calm. Now, this is something that is impossible. You know, winds can die quickly, but just imagine last time you were splishing and a splashing in the bathtub, working on your best cannonball, and your parents, your dad opens the door and goes, what are you doing? Well, as you sit there, and the water in the tub keeps going back and forth, the guilt and the evidence is all there in front of you. Because water doesn't just all of a sudden stop. It doesn't all of a sudden become calm. Yet Jesus speaks and sea of glass. He speaks and nature listens to his voice. You know, there's no battle of will because nothing is outside of Jesus' control. And so here we have this amazing mystery that Jesus in his humanity is on the cushion sleeping and then his, his divinity, he stands, speaks, and everything is under control. But though the sea, though the lake is now calm, the disciples are anything but this. And Jesus rebukes them too. He says, where is your faith? You know, Jesus is basically saying, your faith should have been brought to bear in this moment of crisis, in this moment of being out of control. But their faith is missing in action when it should be front and center in this situation. You know, what they believe to be true should be applied to this concrete situation of their life. You know, Jesus' words are challenging. He's showing us that our panic, our worry, our concern that turns into doubts and questioning of Him is wrong. You know, you don't have to think long. I don't have to think long back on back storms of my life and think I'm a lot like the disciples. And that can be very comforting that we're not alone. And yet, here we see that Jesus is saying that's not Okay, you know, I'm more like the disciples than I want to admit. But notice what Jesus doesn't do. He then doesn't say, I'm done. How many miracles have I done before you guys? How many times have I taught you? And again, so I'm, I just got to go get some other disciples. You guys are ridiculous. Even though they continue to struggle, he continues to encourage them, rebuke them, exhort them where needed. He's a rebuking, but also a forgiving Savior. But then it's interesting because it says at the end of verse 25 that they grow in their fear. They're marveling and they're wondering, who then is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? You know, they fear. The word there is phobos, where we get the word phobia. You know, arachnophobia, where you're afraid of spiders. Or xenophobia, fear of strangers. But that's not what's going on here. This is Jesus' phobia. Fear of Jesus. Not only do they fear, they're, they're wondering, what type of being is this who can speak and winds and waves obey? They knew the Old Testament. Psalm 89.9 says, You rule the weight raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. Psalm 107 depicts four different types of people who've gone out into the world. And in verses 23 through 29, it says, 
Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. <clears throat> they saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits' end. Now you can just imagine many of these men were fishermen. They probably knew these verses. They knew of being on those waves that went up like mountains and you can look over the boat and go, oh, it's a long way down. And then the wave going down and they look up and go, oh, it's a long way up. And they're at their wits' end. And then what does it say next? In Psalm 107 it says, Then they cried to the Lord, to Yahweh, in their trouble. And he delivered them from their distress. He made the storms be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. And as they sit in the boat and they look out on the calm water and think five seconds ago it was a storm, they then go, well, who is this? Because we know who can do that. And yet, is he in our boat with us? And so Jesus is clearly demonstrating his unique authority and power. You know, Jesus is doing what the Old Testament clearly described that only Yahweh, what God could do. Now, yes, as you look through the Old Testament, prophets do some amazing things. Moses raises his staff and the Red Sea departs. Yet Jesus needs no staff. He just speaks. Elijah prays and for three and a half years it doesn't rain and he prays again and it comes. And yet Elijah had to pray to another. Jesus can speak of his own authority. He's no mere prophet. He's no more good moral philosopher or just good teacher. He's not just an example. He is God's own son in the flesh who has come amongst us. And it's as we understand that that is who he is, that he is king of kings, that he has control, and that he is compassionate that we can have comfort in the storms of life. For at no point is life outside of his control. And not only is it not outside of his control, but he has care and compassion. Thus Jesus calls them and us to trust him. Now the trust is not that he'll always deliver us from danger or trouble, but that he will be with us in the storm. That he has us in his arms and he is in control. Again, not only that he's in control, but as Romans 8.28 says, that he works everything out for good to those who love him. Now, notice here that trusting Jesus implies much more than realizing that you're a sinner and he died for your sins. Yes, we should believe that, and yes, that's true, and that's the foundation for our other trust. But that also means we should apply 